Okay, we are on. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today should be a special one. We are joined by Axel Winter, a co-founder at Pivot Digital. Axel, thank you so much for coming on the show this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Happy to be here after a very long time talking about it. So so glad that I finally made the, the list of all the, the interview members, the club members, you, you know, uh, in your ranks. Very happy to be here. I'm super happy that you've agreed to do this. I cannot tell you how much I'm happy right now. And before we get into the main part of this conversation, why don't we give our listeners that may or may not know you a little bit more of your background, just for some context. Right. I mean, currently, currently, I, as you said, I have this, uh, let's say, tech uh, advisory implementation type of business, uh, Pivot Digital, with a, with a uh, two partners, uh, uh, one from Budapest, Hungary, uh, who I know since uh, 2008, um, and we have worked together in different roles, and, and another uh, also good friend and, uh, and partner uh, in Vietnam. I've worked for Get Together, I think about six, seven years now. Uh, we help corporates to build digital businesses because there's a bit of a hybrid thing going on. Uh, as in, you need to know the business and the tech. You cannot, you cannot really tear it apart anymore. And then I'm also chief digital officer at CMP Watt, a luxury mall operator in Thailand. It's about seven properties um, uh, in Thailand. Uh, equivalent in Europe might be KDV or or Renaissance. And I'm also engaged in the startup ecosystem uh, in Thailand and, and and the region, both as a partner and as a coach. I want to understand where the tech advisory comes from, and then I want to get into e-commerce because you've written a lot of stuff about that recently. You don't just wake up one day and be like a tech advisor and build an advisory firm. It comes with years of experience, right? In other words, you see this happen, I'm sure, where some dilettante will show up and say, like, I'm going to be your digital transformation advisor, and they just don't have the requisite experience to go through it. Can you talk about some of the stuff that you've actually built because that's where the experience and the advisory stuff comes from, right? From the experience. Go ahead. Well, and it's still building, right? I mean, it. You know, I, sometimes, and and you 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 are quite a point on on some of the BS which also happens, right? I mean, there are many yeah. good things which happen. To I, I like to be well balanced, right? And but but of course, there's also the crappy part uh, across industries which is happening, and then. And then sometimes it's really not helpful to to comment too public about these things, right? I I was actually for for fun of it over over drinks one evening saying, well, we should we should create kind of uh, like an award, but a real award, not not these um, yeah, fake yeah, awards, award. which a lot of uh, uh, yeah, I mean, real award to really test apps, to really look at the process uh, behind the apps, and then and then say what is good, what is bad, right? As in to uh, credit the ones who are really good but may not be known for it yeah. versus the people who create the hype, right? Again, so that, that may be something you and I can do. Um, <laughs> as a, as a One of the whole reasons for this show is to do exactly that, right? This idea of, I don't want to promote hype. I'm not interested in it. I'm not interested in promoting myself at all, actually. But it's more just like, I want to find the businesses that are out there that are actually building real things and give them coverage and exposure so that they can cut through the hype, right? I, I would like to talk about this. One of my buddies on the trading desk who was an engineer at Goldman Sachs once said to me, an engineer's job is really just to minimize noise and find signals. And that's really what I'm trying to do here is just trying to find the people that have the signals and eliminate the noise from the conversation around a whole bunch of places, whether it's innovation or startups or venture capital, 
where there's so much noise and very few signals. So the fact that you've you've said that actually, I really appreciate. And it's also it's not only a, a, a negative in a sense; it's a positive where sometimes you have the not so well known apps out there, well done in the market. I mean, really, they put the effort and sweat in, and it's really cool app, uh, good offers, and so on. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking uh, Big C in Thailand or, or Taiwan. So again, not not to make advertisement, but just more to say, hey, they, they did a good job there, right? And you know, whether you you like that company or you shop there or not, that's a different question. Anyway, for me, actually, I have a business degree and uh, way back, and then I worked in the company of my my father. It's a property company in northern Germany, a property agent business. Uh, you know, managing building of of uh, properties and so on. Um, my brother is still at it, and I got so bored with this uh, with these things, um, and then eventually kind of uh, checked out or sold out, and then and then you, you know did computer stuff, and and it's a it's a bit crazy, uh, but but be in mind I was twenty two, I I took my I took my bags, came to Thailand, and and don't ask me why Thailand, it just it just happens. I mean I happens, I wish yeah. I had, yeah this sophisticated story that I picked the best country no. in the world, which I believe today it is, right, but, right. but you. you at that time, it was just kind of a bit of luck that, that I, I came here. And then I ran into some some super interesting people who also like building and, and doing things, right? And um, and and I also had this, uh, again, entrepreneurial assessed a bit from, from the family business and, and kind of also like doing tech stuff, right? So I worked with different people. I mean, from Newbridge, Northern Telecom, some of the R&D folks, um, and we created... Uh, new things help setting up internet in Thailand, actually, amongst a few others. I remember Samad and uh, uh, Loxley being involved at the time yep. with big effort. Uh, Nectech was uh, was also at the forefront. And we, we also were there, helped some companies like Deutsche Bank, McCann, even IBM, because they didn't have the skill in the country. I kept enjoying that. Um, as as it as it so often the partner one of the partners a corporate partner in the in the team that that didn't kind of work out and um, and eventually we agreed to again to to call this an end after I think three or four years it wasn't that short and then I basically joined Accenture and Anderson Consulting forty thousand people then now I think seven or eight hundred thousand yeah, a great. small company comparably and and it was still the same it was for me being in this huge marketplace. Anderson Consulting, doing partially selecting projects, uh, clients to build stuff. So I did one of the first HP Compaq online, the first uh, direct sales platform for them or with them. Sony, I remember Sony as a client, Hutchinson Vampoa and so on. And, and that was fun because things could happen. We could build things, we could do things, you, you know, and then work to GE Capital back in the region uh, CTO in Asia, same story again. Let's try to sh you know shake the tree, make it make it better, uh, improve things, um, run global banking. Then became global chief architect for G Capital Group. That after four years, uh, it was too much politics uh, for me. And uh, uh, the global role was is I mean it, this is this is again it's nothing against a specific company or person obviously, but very big corporates. Of course, at the top there is a lot of things going on there. Yeah. And it's less about shareholder value very often and more about um, personal agendas. Unfortunately, not avoidable. And I moved again, Deloitte, Cisco, uh, same creating stuff, really some cool cool partners and, and clients uh, I worked with, came to Standard Chartered Bank, Global Chief Architect again, 20, that was what, 2011. I'm very fortunate to come in there 
a friend of mine uh, asked me for help directly and helped to start a big data when Hadoop 2 came out. Right. So this was kind of the foundation for what we know today as big smart AI data was that that open source framework. And um, in Stanchard, we started what? In 20, 2012, end of 2012, we started playing with that stuff and making making Stanchard even today one of the um, leading players in uh, in data, just, just because by the merits we started early and I always had a hang for open source and then came to Central Group um, with the agenda, uh, with the colleagues in the business units to build a startup in the group, basically to do omnichannel, enable the IPO of the retail unit, uh, work with JD, um, uh, Grab and others. I did that for four years. Didn't take a day off, by the way. Um, I know, I know that feeling. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. It wasn't my company. Well, I bought some shares uh, yeah. eventually when they reward, but but it wasn't my company. Still, I I had the feeling, the passion for making this right, for doing cool things. And and the great part is, at uh, Central is similar to to maybe some others like CP Group and uh, Stanchart also. Um, because of the, the the size, yeah, yeah, so many things you can do, and there's every day something new, right? Uh, versus if you're in a fairly, let's say, small, comparably small business, then then it's so much more difficult, right? To, to be, because you focus to get one small thing very very good, it's a whole different problem to solve, right? Anyway, and then after four years, um, you know, next S curve, uh, next journey, and then I. Again, and we keep in mind in life sometimes to gravitate towards what we actually want, right? Yeah. So it kind of be pushed into a certain direction. We just don't recognize it. And then I, I uh, CEO of CMP what called me in to be the CDO. And then, as I said before, um, with all of this experience, a few friends, friendlies, colleagues, connections called me and saying, "Hey, help us here, help us there." and help help us build good things. And not only the tech, but also the organization, the cap in-house in capability, the strategy and so on. So we we did this uh, doing it for, for a few companies. I love this and it's so interesting. Can you talk to me in a little bit more detail about what the environment was like when a company at, at the size of Central says, we need to be more involved in Omnichannel. We need to be, we have all the resources, right? We have the warehousing, we have the customer connectivity, we have the suppliers, we have all the goods. We actually have the logistics around moving things from our own warehouses into our own retail shops. We have all these things. And yet maybe we don't have the technological chops to build it, but we can partner with a big company. Like how do all these things come together? And when you're in it every single day, what does that environment feel like when kind of anything is possible and all the resources are there and yet it's still really hard to do? Yeah, I mean, I mean, doing doing good things is 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 always a bit hard. Yep. And what let's say takes takes effort and focus or, or everyone would do it, right? I mean, that, that'll be that'll be yeah. easy. And I thought that the when I came in 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 um, February 2017, uh, literally there was uh, groups around the, the organization, I mean, different uh, smaller teams here and there. And then uh, I brought a, 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 some of them together, uh, restructured this a bit and uh, promoted promoted the talent uh, and, and, and the lesser talent uh, we, we encouraged to, to grow somewhere else. And then I thought what was good 
good was that we day one, uh, my boss, uh, then CEO, later uh, uh, COO, then later president of uh, Central Retail, he focused on day one on what is our strategy, right? What is the uh, what is the kind of the Ten Commandments and the strategy which we the playbook basically which we uh, move on? And there's IT in there, uh, um, architecture. I mean, technical architecture. There is operating model between developers and product managers and business users in there. Then there is what is the business organization? Can this be done by the existing team? Are they are they all reporting into a separate omnichannel leader right. uh, or something? The business is there a sales leader, marketing? I mean, and so on, right? So we we I thought what what was really strong was basically creating the blueprint that time i mean we started in feb uh, 2017 and we hammered this out and i mean this was i mean this were really senior people this was not someone in the middle uh creating powerpoints and then and then you know um uh, letting letting going through a boardroom um and and you know the typical McKinsey feeling and then trying to to hit it off there and then uh, whatever go for it and no this was this was real top people of the group uh, I mean the, the the most senior folks you can imagine in yeah. in workshops uh, and not not only one hour literally over six weeks to uh, work this out and that was that in itself was a memorable experience and also good lessons learned right and and again it was a global strategy right so central group today is um, obviously, a uh, uh, significant top player in Thailand, in Vietnam, uh, and also the largest luxury retailer in Europe, to my knowledge, and being across Europe, I mean, which is also a significant achievement. And that probably was one of the differentiators. And then as a next step, it, it wasn't only that we created that strategy, but but surprise, we actually followed it. Right. I mean, that's the that's the second thing because it's easy sometimes when you Google strategy retail strategy sure. whatever banks, you you probably get on the first page even without ChatGPT, you 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 get probably the ten most important things you need to think about. But but then executing it right, it's so much more difficult. Thinking about operating models and so on, that is difficult. So we 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 went ahead, started then recruiting people, putting things into. Um, into place. Now, the other thing which which I remember was vividly, for better or worse, we had literally weekly meetings and would as with uh, with top press, and we would go through to progress. Right, what's happening? What's going on? How many did you hire? What's the revenue like? Uh, you know what sells well, what not sell doesn't sell well, both for new channels as as in online and. Uh, there was some some nascent uh, platform development of news and also offline, and it gave significant transparency uh, to everyone, though not only me and and vice versa. I shared and then then my uh, things, and that was and that was continuously for four years. We have we had these weekly, sometimes even too many meetings, but issues would be decided right on the spot. That also sometimes is un comfortable to be honest yeah. right because you i mean when you, you you can imagine that also maybe from your own business uh, when you go through this and say well there is a delay because of this and that and uh, and you know or uh, people are not there or product information or there's some tech issue you didn't find the right uh, uh, sub team developer somewhere i mean whatever the reason i mean you, you know there are million things every day right and then we would make decisions right then and you you can imagine the, the good thing is it never stops. It never slows down. 
The bad thing is it never stops. It never stops <laughs> because you're right in front of it every day. And then the other thing also I remember vividly from the beginning, the empowerment in uh, in the group was quite significant. Meaning it's like I have my own business unit or business which I can co-run and or run uh, finance and HR uh, at least dotted line reporting to me trying then to make on the spot fairly fast decision based on a budget, right? So so just think about that that ecosystem and it's a whole different ballgame then to go to melt down this typical resistance which you have for change because of that ecosystem. Right? So here's the, here's the really big question for me is when you start in 2017, right? We'd already seen e-commerce marketplaces developing in Thailand, let's just say for five years. You had the specter of Lazada was out there, Alibaba had come in. You had Shopee just come literally out of nowhere, right? From SEA, or I don't know how you pronounce the name of this company anymore. To me, it's always like Karina. Anyway, but there's all this excitement around, we're going to start, we're going to, we're going to dominate because we have all these great resources. How does the mindset change as you move from 2017 into 18, 19, and 20? And I'm really curious about, did you do the Apple Macintosh thing where there was this separate group? Or was it just people in each one of the operating groups saying, now you're responsible for Omnichannel as well? And how did the mindset change over time as it went from this is going to be awesome to we have to execute on all these things because it's just really hard. And it doesn't matter if it's a company, like you said, with 100,000 people in it or 10 people in it. When it gets hard, it gets hard. I'm just curious how that changes internally. Yeah, I mean, uh, an extremely good point. I, I would say is we were pretty true to our strategy. So while external things happened and we talked about them, we evaluated them, but we had we had a fairly clear strategy. And I would say why we tuned it, we, we did not fundamentally change it in the four years. Uh, and and if you look at the revenue by new channels, which is which is a line item in the uh, annual and quarterly reporting by by central retail, you can actually see the, the impact. We, we're talking we're talking about um I mean, even I think 2020 was a billion, over a billion dollar, 2021, it was almost two. Um, and so for me, I thought that was the biggest value that it created direction, right? In, yeah. in that sense, there were changes on the feature level and so sure. on. On the, on the operating model, so how did it work? Now, two, there were kind of two forces and you could, you could argue that, that there's also some built-in inefficiency, but then again, every model has its has sure. its strength and weakness. The way it worked was each business unit, let's say Power Buy, Supersports, had an omni-channel director. So that, that person was then responsible for sales and merchandising. I mean, online as in online merchandising, um, even integration into the store where, like, like let's say, think about click and collect and stuff like that. Um, and would then also work, of course, with the quote unquote offline teams, but they have their own. And that could be between teams of five to 30, 40. It depends on the business unit. There are some smaller and bigger business units. And they there was a omni-channel director uh, with an enable small enablement team, business enablement team, who would help them to design the processes, commissions, logistics, and so on. And then there was me as the counterpart of 
doing basically the the cowardistic creation, creation and running of the platform business, right? Which is actually the product management. So define the feature set, what is what is required and how, what's the flow, um, data science, uh, data analytics, insights, customer insights, and so on. And then of course, also the execution part, right? We would then in the creation part work with the omni-channel teams, also the, the president, I mean, the, the senior management, the board, if for all you want to XCOM, and, and then um, other stakeholders to to drive through this. Supply chain team also, a centralized team that was also part of that, and then would try to shape out the journey and, and, and try to implement it. Again, the goal was... There were some really very basic platforms uh, and very dated, not not nothing which could have been rescued. The goal was getting all all business units basically online onto a, a much stronger standard, and then uh, keep innovating and growing from there. Into as far as I'm concerned, so interesting. What the difficulties is on that one because you do touched up on it. Maybe just just to add a tad. You, you know, typically in this type of process, you, you link uh, a feature to a revenue, right? And then, which makes sense. So you're saying, hey, I have a, let's say, I don't know, I have a, um, um, I share, I share a, pro- a product uh, which I like or a promotion in social media. Maybe I get a voucher for it or something. Okay, that's going to make us flat maybe 10 million for a year, right? I mean, but I, I don't know. I, I make up the number. Right. And then, and then, of course, you, you have then these two forces. One is within the business units who then have their opinion of what they need and what they should do, which is not always, but often more driven about where the current business is. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because you want that conflict. But on the other side, you also have then the more, let's say, strategic vision of, uh, let's say, my boss, my then boss, and, and also, let's say, the omnichannel director, um, who looks at this more strategically where I want to be in two years or five years type of thing, right? right. Uh, well, five years, two years. And then you have these forces and that is really difficult to sort out. And if I would have say a challenge is really that 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 this this con- designed conflict, uh, the only other way to, to manage it would be, well, I mean, the only other a- approach would be to say is, well, these type of decisions are just not made in the business units anymore, which then run the risk is that you're not that you're not thinking about the business that industry that, that industry or that vertical is in, right? Because it's let's say someone who sells sports equipment is different than someone who sells washing machines, right? right? Yeah. So, so this is a this this is a, a yeah difficult thing to resolve. We had that approach, and it also created upside and also downside. I want to go up a little bit higher. Let's uh-huh. go up to like 30,000 feet. And this is just a thought that I've had, and I'm curious about what you think about it too. You know, I like to say no one succeeds alone, right? And the way you've built this infrastructure, at least in this particular example, is kind of like building an internal ecosystem around this idea for omni-channel distribution and uh-huh. omni-channel sales. But then if you step a little bit higher, right, it's not just internal to that one institution. It's like, how do you build this innovation ecosystem around a big company Right, because their digital transformation doesn't take place in a vacuum, right? So what should that innovation look like if you think about building an ecosystem? In this case, it's central and JD, but it can be any kind of example around that, right? Because you need all this other stuff going on to actually enable it. It can't just happen on its own, yeah? Yeah, I mean, th- there are two different questions. We didn't even come to JD yet. Uh, that would be a good topic. One of the things is which, which goes well with innovation is empowerment. And I would say that 
to um, in these time and, and innovation also goes well with um, if you if you started you started in smaller pilots right so you yep. have like this uh, uh, one or two months type of project you try something out um, and then you keep you keep uh, uh, learning uh, or growing but depending on on where that that tryout is uh, so uh, my team we created uh, we created a, a, let's say a small uh, outlet in uh, in Chiang Mai in early 2018 maybe end 2017 can't remember. It's a team of like ten people who who would really be the innovation lab. Literally, that they, they they would take over these type of projects. Uh, there was teaming at that time with uh, with AWS, and but it it didn't matter as much. I mean, the AWS part was good be, more because of using global network to team with startups where that makes sense. Yeah. But but that that innovation um, center. I mean, things like. You could go in. We had some pilot where you could scan yourself products, uh, let's say in a shelf, uh, pay them in your app, uh, and then walk out basically, right? right? That's kind of the the idea. And I thought it was it it wouldn't have worked this if you try to do this mainstream from the get go, right? Yeah. So you need or or look at Ccoin was a much much uh, 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 PR about which is a, a token kind of a crypto in-house cryptocurrency, yeah, yeah. which staff uses as staff loyalty points. So you come to a training uh, on time and then you get, you get a few points and then you can use it to, let's say, basically uh, get things within the group and uh, you can, you can go to tops or somewhere and then, and then get, get some benefit out of that. And I thought these things uh, worked, uh, worked very well for the mega things, like say the big steps, I think that was really also the executive level discussion where we uh, uh, said um, again in the in the senior management team in the XCOM where you know you just look at market trends and movements and opportunities to say is does it make sense and I th I think people after after uh, uh, Central announced the JDD and everybody said it's an obvious thing to do and I thought it wasn't obvious that's what the people said afterwards before uh, everybody was talking about. You have to you have to compete. You have to push back. Yeah, but but sometimes it's also good to partner with a frenemy, right? I yeah. mean, and and see what you can learn, right? I mean, I right. I mean there are there's more benefit there than than sales of one unit if you deal with someone who was the largest e uh, retail e-commerce uh, site or still is maybe uh, in China. Uh, there definitely are learnings there, and I mean, yeah. I definitely had learnings with uh, with them, and they learn from us as well, right? I mean, it's, it's a two way street. Um, so I I thought it was an extremely exciting time, and that uh, Grab is another one, as you notice, know, public knowledge uh, was an investment into Grab, Thailand significant also, and uh, also good teaming with uh, with the Grab folks. I thought again, it, it goes a bit to the earlier point of reach and ability capability, yeah. right? Of saying, well, I see how JD does it, I see how Grab does it. Maybe it gives me also an idea for my unit. Gives the omni-channel director we talked about an idea for what he he or she should be doing, uh, and so on, right? And I thought that on that level, uh, I would say that the, the value generated was significant. I mean, it's just picking another perspective. Do you want to talk more about this JD Central experience and some of the other stuff that you've yeah. learned from doing this? Or you posted about it, and that was really the genesis of me reaching out finally to get yeah. you on the show. I'm just curious because there's so much talk around it. We talked about this earlier a little bit. There's so much talk around this, that, and everything else that happens in these ecosystems, and yet the people that are actually directly involved in it sometimes sit on the sidelines and look and go, 
that's not the way this happened at all. So do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So we have you. So I'm just curious if you can just yeah. run us through a little bit, like just some of the interesting things that happened here. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I thought, again, it was uh, it was set out to partner with, I mean, I call that a frenemy because, again, if they could come, they're, they're a little bit competitive or they could come into the market with someone else and as, as well as... Um, um, again, there is a there is a partnership opportunity. Right. In the beginning was very simple. It was to say, hey, there has to be a marketplace. Why can there not be another big marketplace mm -hmm. like Shopee, like Lazada? Probably a bit more focused, a bit less aggressive on pricing and promotions, but maybe more curated. That some of them are. Yeah, um, I would love that. Yeah. So that, that that was the outset, and I have to say, as a customer, I love JD service. I used one of the other two uh, or both of them and I got fake products. I mean, I got a fake phone um, basically um, in the marketplace. Then, yeah, you have to talk to the seller. It's a, it's a screw, right? I mean, right. someone's yeah. screwing me and I have to talk to the seller. How is that happening, right? right. And um, and even for COVID, I got some of the masks. It was a pre-used mask. I mean, you, you wouldn't believe it. Um, and then, I mean, it's like, it's like, again, I also have good experiences with all of them, right? I'm not, right. I'm not. Saying, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But but the point is that the idea was to be more curated, like right. like central apps, like um, uh, like JD marketplaces. The other one was really the financial service part or the, the wallet part. Dolphin Wallet, uh, both sorry on and offline payments um, and uh, uh, potentially also uh, uh, let's say buy now pay later type of models, uh, which is called now. Then of course the name was slightly different. It's like just that's like a consumer purchase loan and also supplier financing, right? Because some of the medium-sized and smaller suppliers, they have to put a lot of money on the table Upfront. to just move the inventory. To my understanding, JD was quite successful with this also in in China. We also had we also met with the uh, Indonesian teams uh, there, also the Indonesian investors and so on. That was also, I thought, interesting how it worked there and their thinking about this. Uh, again, it, retrospectively, it's easy. And people, again, always being negative to begin with. It's obviously easy to talk it down. But I thought that that period of talking about and designing the future, I thought it was very exciting. It was very educational. Again, how do you structure teams? How do you structure development? I think JD has about 10,000 developers. And again, I I met some of the Lazada, uh, Lazada developers uh, in the early days, and then also some who built a core platform, some who did data science, like John Burns, who, who I also recruited. But I, I got another viewpoint from them, right? And I thought that was uh, that was highly impressive. Uh, then again, Chinese business or the, the way that works in China is different than it, it works in Thailand or other countries. So it's just there's just some some um, different in process and flow, and also the way you work with the with the customer, the ecosystem is different. And and then, of course, there is a revenue goal. Uh, um, I mean, day to day, as I said before, uh, Central is, is is good on KPIs, and um, I think that marketplace went out and did that. And you know, I thought the fundamental difference, to my impression, was that as a as a retailer, and this is true probably for all retailers, you think about uh, profits in a very different way than a marketplace. How so, though? Yeah, uh, in effect, we we're talking retailer is kind of. Uh, is if the, if the marketplace wants to make one dollar, the retailer wants to make twenty or twenty five, right? Yeah. <laughs> in profits, and and of course you could see that 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 even even with a, a presumably better service is a challenge. Um, yet that 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 is a core core difference of uh, I would say of uh, uh, of discussions. 
and which which have transpired over the time. And I I mean I don't want to speculate what 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 happened in the last few weeks um, because I wasn't there. It wouldn't be fair. Yep. Um, but but just to say is that this mindset of and you you, you look. I mean I thought there was a couple of weeks back there was a <clears throat> I saw there was a, a breakdown of profits of uh, of marketplaces right and. If I if I remember correctly, uh, Oli Lasada had a mid-level profit there, uh, and showing how tough how how tough that is in in this type of environment um, to make to make that happen because basically it's all promotions. I mean, people we hired people also from Indonesian startups, uh, e-commerce startups across the region, Vietnam and and Thailand, of course. And the 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 insight I always got is if there is a if there's a price point difference for a product of here five baht, uh, or in uh, Indonesia was 500 rupee, which is a, which is a coin, right? It's I mean, that would swing a person to buy somewhere else. If for all account they're getting the same, and in that environment, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's really tremendously difficult to to have more than two big players in the market. So just fundamentally, strategically, I don't see that how that would work. So this is the follow-on to that, right? It's after all that experience and after trying to build a marketplace that sounds like it's better, right? It's curated. This gets back to this noise versus signals, right? I mean, I once asked a chief revenue officer at one of the big, at one of the big marketplaces, how do you handle product discovery? And the answer was, we don't have a problem with it. We have 3 million products. And I, and I thought, yeah, that's the problem. Too many products, hard to discover. <laughs> but, but he didn't get that. But here's the question for you then. If these marketplaces are so hard, right, and if the view from a marketplace's perspective on how to earn a profit is different from a retailer, what should innovation look like in the online retail space? And it's there it may not be a f finished answer, right? But I'm curious, if, if we don't need more than two marketplaces, I think we need more. What is it though that well, we need? I think you need, need different models, right? I would I wouldn't say that it's all there. There should be two websites in the uh, uh, in the world, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you need you need different differentiating models. First of all, again, I would maintain is that uh, JD also made uh, um, uh, made contributions to the to the bottom line. Uh, so so that 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 also uh, again the learning and so on. JD still is a logistics provider. They have again changed their strategy uh, on the on the marketplace side, are outside of China, uh, becoming more of a, of an enabler. Uh, and the logistics business is across Southeast Asia now uh, operating. I saw Malaysia, Singapore, Vietnam, um, and it's a so big on. Business. In Thailand, they have multiple partnerships there. So again, I, I wouldn't <clears throat> I wouldn't cut this out. However, whether you continue this or not is another question. And then what I saw from the annual report is that the in-house new channels, so stuff which I was involved in building, that also generates significant revenue. And then uh, central website is its own marketplace. Uh, so is OfficeMate as a more kind of a B2B or B2 SME type of thing. Um, so is PowerBuy and Supersports. Uh, marketplace model here, meaning that you have third-party sellers on it and you have uh, the 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 traditionally traditional um, retail products on it, and so from that from that perspective, I thought that that is good, and there's a curation around certain product categories, and then don't underestimate the ability to have on and offline loyalty, right? I mean, when yeah. I 
uh, even Sivivat, I mean, not not to forget where I work, but but there again, the choice was different to say is yes, we also want marketplace, but it's just one piece of a value proposition around a certain customer segment. Let's say uh, affluent us, and here is is loyalty, the gift cards, uh, which are extremely popular. Then there are there is marketplace, created marketplace uh, product around the the tenants which we have in our uh, malls. Great partners. For us are also F and B, uh, not, not only, it's not only about e-commerce in that sense or, or retail e-commerce. I think that that is one, you could be the, you could have very unique products, which may not always be your marketplaces or uh, which marketplace has because the volume may not have uh, sufficient interest. I think there are multiple, multiple ways. I saw in Europe some, some e-commerce websites where golf stars or tennis stars basically not even created their own private label, but but basically created their created a selection of items which right. they use during career of products and services and they feel strongly about it and they're selling it under something which is branded under their name and I thought that that also again is a differentiator and if I really if I really again go to sport, sport items I probably go to super sports because not not only because I I I, I, I know the people but but also because I know that. That they have the selection and when I talk to the folks, uh, the sales there, they actually know what's going on and what I should have, right? Which is a different experience. And, and I think there are opportunities not to be um, another another marketplace in the sense of the uh, of Shopee or Lazada because they, they have their business and right. both of them also very different from each other. And again, it's 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 for for companies like Central and Mall Group and I mean I Lotus and Macro and whoever is there and Zepivat, of course, to create their own ways to the consumer and saying, well, we want to help our consumer in a, uh, our customers different way and add value in, uh, in 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 other ways, which are adjacent in that sense. I think that 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 I find critical. And in the first wave, what we saw is corporations didn't think enough about it. If that first wave is has been over, let's say uh, this year or last year, then it's okay, and people are starting driving towards the next gen is fine. But if they're way to say is we are still competing with them, then that I don't, I don't, I cannot believe that that would work. And if you look at the U.S., although the market is really very different because we don't have multi-purpose apps in the U.S. as much, um, uh, unlike in Southeast Asia um, or in Asia then it's also really difficult for people to compete with Amazon, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, most of them just do both because of, of the realistics of the economies. Yeah. I think that is a great way to end. We've been at this for about 40 or so minutes. What it's, <laughs> no, no, but what it's done to me, Axel, is it's forced me to have you back on the show again because there's so much stuff that I wanted to cover that we couldn't cover today. But this, I think, whets the appetite for people to hear more from you. So I'm going to thank you, Axel Winter, co-founder of Pivot Digital, but I'm going to ask you to come back on the show because I want to get your view on other things like the startup ecosystem in Thailand, the startup ecosystem in Southeast Asia. You were there installing internet at the beginning. So how has that changed in the penetration? Don't answer any of these things. But I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. I know, I know, I know. I can feel it. But I want to talk to you about these things as well. But for today, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate you doing this. That was awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. I don't even know what time it is anymore. <laughs> you didn't lie. <laughs>